This is a landmark day in the life and history of Faith Church. Pastor Tom Macy is completing his role as lead pastor, and he is also celebrating 40 years of faithful ministry in the Evangelical Free Church of America. For those of you who may not know me, I am Bob Blonick. I served as associate pastor here for five years under Tom's leadership, and now I am the regional superintendent of the Great Lakes District of the E-Free Denomination. This is a special day. It is a privilege for me to be a part of this celebration and affirmation of Tom's ministry. As it says in God's word, and now friends, we ask you to honor those leaders who worked so hard for you who have been given the responsibility of urging and guiding you along in your obedience, overwhelm them with appreciation and love. Tom and Linda, that's what we want to do today, is simply overwhelm you with our appreciation and our love. Linda, that includes you. <laughs> as someone who has walked in Tom's shoes as a lead preaching pastor, I know that we can only do our ministry because of the support of our wives. Linda, thank you for lending him to us for all these years. According to today's statistics, it is very unusual for a pastor to stay in ministry in America for 40 years. In fact, only 10% of pastors retire from ministry. Tom, you beat those statistics. You made it. Congratulations, my friend. So did I. <laughs> there is life after full-time pastor. For those of you who have been here at Faith these last 12 years with us, you, you know firsthand what a good shepherd Tom has been. He has preached God's word, shared the gospel, counseled and cared for many of us while leading a life of integrity and faithfulness to his Savior, Jesus Christ. However, not many of you are aware of how vital Tom's ministry has been in our national denomination for the last 40 years. He doesn't speak a lot about that. He is well-known, well-honored, and well-valued. These two gentlemen are very familiar with Tom, and they'd like to take a moment to speak their words their own words of thanks to Tom. Here by video are Kevin Complin, the president of the EFCA, and Greg Strand, the director of biblical theology and credentialing. Pastor Tom, on behalf of EFCA leaders and free church pastors across the country, I want to express my heart of congratulations to you on 40 years of faithful pastoral ministry. Your heart for the people in your congregation as well as for service within the EFCA has been a blessing to us and we wanna say congratulations and thank you. And to the Faith Church family, I wanna say thank you to you as well for your support of the Great Lakes District, of the EFCA, of Trinity International University and our seminary, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School as well as your heart for missions around the world. Mm -hmm. Faith Church, thank you for your partnership with us in the EFCA. Well, Pastor Tom served for 40 years, and, and Greg, I know he had a lot of involvement in the EFCA. What were some of the things that he was involved in? Yeah, Tom was very faithful in the local church level, but he also was very committed to getting involved more broadly. Uh, he became uh, a member of the Ministerial Association in 1977. Uh, he was ordained in 1979. Uh, he has served even more broadly uh, with the Ministerial Association as the chair from 2007 to 2012. And simultaneous with that, he served on the Board of Ministerial Standing, and he served very capably uh, in, in each of those realms. Mm. Uh, in 2014, he uh, began serving on the Spiritual Heritage Committee and still serves in that role and has been very fruitful, uh, fruitfully engaged uh, with us in, in those realms. Tom is one who has been biblically grounded. He's very committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He exemplifies that of a pastor theologian. And it's so encouraging to know, uh, Brother Tom, you not only began well, but you're ending well. And this is not the end, it's a transition. We rejoice with you. Thank you for the joy of partnering together in the ministry of the gospel. Tom, I couldn't agree more. 
Congratulations. Thank you for your heart of encouragement and ministry that you've given to us and to so many across the EFCA over the years. May God bless you in this transition in your life and the ministry in the days to come. You join me in sharing our appreciation to Tom and Linda. Come on up, guys. Pastor, theologian, can't think of a better term for you, my friend. Come on over here. We also have a uh, letter written to Tom from uh, Kevin Complin that we've had framed that you can uh, put on your wall and read every now and then. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just the first paragraph and the last. Dear Pastor Tom, I want to thank you for serving your Lord so faithfully as shepherd to your congregations. Over these past nearly 40 years, I so appreciate your kind and passionate heart for Jesus. Your commitment to his word and the gospel is commendable. The future of the EFCA depends on leaders like you, giving yourselves tirelessly to the task of reviewing the theological orthodoxy of a new generation of EFCA pastors. It is a joy to call you a faithful brother in Christ for the sake of the gospel. Wherever the Lord uses you in the days ahead, I'm confident his word and the gospel will be at the center of your life and ministry. Well done, my brother. May he give you great peace and wisdom for the days ahead. You join me in prayer. <laughs> this young couple many years ago didn't have a clue what they were doing, Lord. They went to the cornfields of Nebraska and faithfully served. They learned how to be a pastor there. Those churches loved them and raised them up. And then going to Wichita, the wheat fields of Wichita for 18 years, and then by your grace. And for our gratitude, you brought them here to uh, serve us faithfully these over 12 last years. Just thanks for their marriage. Thanks for their faithfulness. Thanks for their family, their children, their grandchildren. Just pray a blessing on them. May you use them mightily in the days ahead. Uh, we never retire from ministry. So uh, use Tom in his new role here. But just thank you. If I can speak for the congregations of Nebraska, Wichita, and Indianapolis. Thank you, Tom and Linda Macy, for faithful service to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. I love you, brother. I'll give you this later. Bob Lonick is a man of integrity, and I mean that most sincerely, but what I'm referring to right now is when he says he's going to overwhelm somebody, he overwhelms somebody. <laughs> and uh, so I need to collect myself a little bit here, but uh, thank you for coming today. Uh, there's a pretty strong feeling that this is way too much about me because it's not about me, and I know that, and you know that, and... I enjoyed Bob's prayer. This young couple didn't have a clue what they were doing. This old couple doesn't have much of a clue of what we're doing either. Uh, but uh, we're trying to, to walk forward in, in faith and with uh, wonderful support and friends and encouragement. Uh, this, uh, this change in our, in our lives uh, is uh, a lot of unknowns, as every day is an unknown, but the certainty of uh, God's grace and provision is uh, part of that. Well, as I look back over the past 13 years um, since my first interaction with the People of Faith Church and sermon title, Looking Back, look, Looking Forward, and the looking back uh, part is, how, how can we say it? Uh, thank you. But I'm going to add a few words to that to put some context for it. Or, or borrowing from Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 and following, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for all of you, making my prayer with joy because of your 
partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, Paul was a church planting pastor. He was initiated, he initiated the, the church in Philippi, so he had that kind of connection with them. But 52 and a half years of history for Faith Church, 53rd year, the last 12, almost 13, I've been able to be a part of that, and what a joy to partner with me. Now, you've been forewarned. You know I'm overly sentimental and nostalgic. It just, it just goes with the territory of who Macy's are. Uh, but um, this, this sermon is really not a sermon. Uh, you'll figure that out. Uh, it's more of a testimony, uh, a little personal history. I hope the common thread of Thanksgiving runs through it to you and to the glory of God above that. But in 2003, after 27 years of uh, amazing experiences in the pastorate in Nebraska and Kansas, I was looking for placement. Approaching age 53, I wondered, I truly wondered if my time as a pastor was over. My sense of calling, my passion for preaching God's word had not diminished. It was stronger than ever. But what church would want someone of my advanced age? I really wondered that. Because, you know, 35 to 40, that's what they're looking for. But I was so wrong. Several possibilities surfaced in the Chicago area, most of them in the Chicago area. I admit I had a Jonah moment. Oh, God, please don't send us to Chicago. (laughs) Of all the possibilities, and we had some serious discussions with a couple of places in Chicago that I determined was not a fit, but... Uh, and not because of the city, I would have gone. But two possibilities really stood out. In addition to Faith Church Indianapolis, on the radar screen early in the process, a church in Naples, Florida, looked very interesting. (laughs) And we made an exploratory trip there in February of 2004... Context for that, right after we'd had our first visit with the search team here in Indianapolis. So, Linda and I had the search team meeting here on a night, one evening, I forget what night it was. The very next morning, we had an early flight out of frozen Indianapolis to frozen Chicago, to snowy Wichita where we drove across town from the airport to shovel six inches of snow off of our driveway, washed our clothes, repacked our bags, went back across town to Mid-Continent Airport, flew to Dallas, Texas, flew to Fort Myers, Florida, rented a car, drove to Naples for the weekend. Never been anywhere near that area. That was the same day that we left ice-cold Indianapolis. Now, which city do you think we found most desirable (laughs) that day in February? Well, in spite of the weather conspiracy against Indiana, we told the good people in Florida, we, 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 we let them know right up front that we felt led to pursue Indianapolis as long as Indianapolis pursued us. And so we put Naples on hold and have second-guessed that decision every January and February (laughs) since then. No, that's not true. Well, it's sort of true. But from the first interaction with Faith Church, uh, sharing information back and forth, first with Charlene and Janine from a January phone interview from Chicago as I sat at my daughter's dining table in Round Lake, Illinois, uh, to the first visit to Indy where David Kinley picked us up at the airport, Uh, brought us to our hotel across the interstate here where Jim Cummer picked us up to take us to the meeting. A brief aside here, Jim's driving on ice was unnerving to say the least, (laughs) mainly because his driving style was very similar to mine. Now, Linda's used to driving with somebody like that, but I wasn't. And, uh, but we made it safely. We had a wonderful connection with the team from C to Z. There were a lot of C's on the team. Jim Cummer, uh, Ingrid Mayo were co-chairs, uh, Charlene Canada, Lee Christensen, and David Kenley, Gary Reinwald, and Janine Zeltwanger. Another visit to meet the elders here. 
called a candidate to be your next senior pastor, candidacy week, long await, long wait for the congregational decision, phone call that I had received an affirmative vote of the congregation, but it was not an overwhelmingly. I mean, it was in the 80s. I think anything below 90 probably is a negative. That's just the way I've looked at it. And so we were a little unsure what to do. Aware of some of the, I became more aware of some of the dynamics in 2004 in the church that led to a little lack of unity, not personal but philosophical. And so, as we sought counsel with the search team, with the elders, um, and particularly responses from elders Brian Clark and Mark Pappas, that convinced us that indeed, even though it was a little, a little, a little, a little cloudy for a moment that indeed God was calling us to Indianapolis to Faith Church. And so I arrived the last day of April 2004 during the Global Impact Conference. Linda was still at home, still finishing up her job. We're getting ready to sell the house. And so it's my first Sunday as your lead pastor. And my favorite memory was the voice of a little girl, five years old, crying out, Sorry, Natalie. <laughs> I love this. She cried out, the shepherd is here. The shepherd is here. <laughs> Natalie Martin, five years old then, now 18, a senior in high school. Natalie, you thought I looked like your dad. <laughs> uh, sorry, Steve, but uh, you're much, much better looking and, and uh, much younger. But uh, uh, you and... And Kelly have raised three beautiful daughters, and I think we have all, all three of them here. But, you know, that's how I know how long I've been, uh, I've been here, by, by looking at the kids that were, that were really young then. Um, I could count on a hug from Natalie every Sunday. Uh, I, I didn't see her coming. I mean, she would sneak in from the side, I'd feel it, and then she'd be gone. <laughs> and, and that went on for a period of time, but of course she grew out of that and... I, I miss those hugs, but uh, I enjoyed them while they lasted, and uh, so it was a very special welcome. My, my first best friend at, at Faith Church. Thank you, Natalie. But of course, uh, that uh, moved on. Uh, I know uh, another memory. Uh, I moved out of my office uh, over the last couple of weeks into a different office, and so I found things and I lost things in the process. But one of the things I found was a baseball card from a Seattle Mariners uh, player, and uh, yeah, there's, there's Pete Soderstrom. Uh, here's the information on the back of the card. Uh, age six, you can tell by the teeth, uh, three feet eight inches tall, 41 pounds, and it says here, this is a, this is a, a mint condition card, um, it, it says Peter is having an incredible rookie season. His strong Batting and rifle arms strike fear in his opponents. <laughs> and again, this is a rookie card. I probably should take better care of it. It might be worth something uh, someday when he goes into the Hall of Fame. But Pete's now a student at Indiana University. Another, another powerful, powerful memory from my third Sunday is we had a congregational meeting on Sunday night to give final affirmation to the building proposal, the Lighthouse Project, the building we're in right now, a decision to stay here and serve in this community, and it resulted in this building and the lower area and remodeling of other parts of the building, and I was so glad to be a part of that meeting in which the final affirmation was given to go forward, but I wasn't part of any of the design, the planning, the decision process, and I'm thankful for that too. That's a lot of hard work. Uh, but we approved the project with strong unity, and I asked the elders for just a, a few minutes at the close of the meeting to share something. Linda and I had known for about two weeks at that point that our daughter Jill was expecting twins as a single mom and would move to Indy with us. And uh, thus with Linda's mother as well, uh, an instant uh, four-generation family, and so I started introducing myself this way. Well, I pastor at Faith Church, and I live with five women ages 0 to 78. And that, of course, changed every year, eventually 11 to 90. Uh, the meeting closed. Uh, 
And immediately, two young moms that I don't believe I'd met previously, Andrea Preston and Anna Hannum, uh, both moms of one-year-old twins at the time, uh, knowing and living the challenge of twins, they were in my face with incredible encouragement and support. We want to be there. We, we know about this. They did know about this. They still do. And, and they want to be an encouragement and a help. And so what a, what a special, special thing. Um, well, Jill married last May a wonderful man, Matt Jemison. He's sitting right here with his wife, my daughter. And he adopted the two girls on either side of them, uh, Maddie and Delia, and gave us two more grandsons, Quinn and Liam. And uh, so how good God is and how gracious you as a church have been to us through all these things. For Christmas Eve this year, uh, they got to come back and uh, help with the Christmas story that I share with the kids each time as Maddie read the story and Delia managed the boys and so everybody had a very important job. These 13 years have passed very quickly. Uh, you were my support through knee surgeries in 2006, 2007. My knee became my identity. And, you know, I really appreciated it, but I got tired. How's your knee? How's your knee? I have other parts, not just <laughs> knees. But, no, you were so caring. And it's fine, by the way. Don't ask. Please, don't ask. It's fine. Five years ago, you supported us through Linda's uh, uh, breast cancer. Uh, through these years, you have responded, you have engaged with God's word, not just listening but acting out the word of God in life as we preach through Old Testament discovery, trying to kind of tie things together, the love story of Ruth, Elijah and Elisha in First and Second Kings, last summer Job, selections from Psalms, Proverbs, Isaiah, Daniel, Malachi, extensive sections of the gospel, the Sermon on the Mount, parables, other sections, sequential, full sequential exposition, some lasting a year or more through Romans, 1 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, Titus, 1 John, Revelation, and numerous other individual sermons. In my 41st year of pastoral ministry, my calling is not lifted, my passion for God's word has not left, I'm not quitting, but there's a time to slow down, there's a time to transition a time to rethink priorities that have not always been where they ought to be, a time to pass the mantle of leadership to others. It was just only one church at a time, uh, yet I've identified with Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 11, who in a sense pastored many churches at a time. He's describing in this text his suffering. He says a whole list of things that I've not remotely experienced. He refers to countless beatings, 39 lashes with a whip happened five times, uh, beaten with rods three times, stoned once. That doesn't mean he got drunk. It means they were throwing rocks at him to kill him, and they almost succeeded. They left him for dead. Shipwrecked three times, adrift at sea, sleepless nights, hungry and thirsty, often without food in cold and exposure. I know nothing of any of this, well, except Quite a few sleepless nights over the years. Because what connects most with me is what Paul adds. And apart from other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. I've only had one at a time. That's tough enough. The anxiety factor, especially if you're kind of an anxious person. This is the same Paul who said, don't be anxious about anything, but he admits he was anxious. I've had a good. What's worn on me is not preaching and pastoring as challenging and tiring as those are, but pressure of leadership, the oversight of staff, the strategic thinking and planning, tough decisions in which, and Pastor Bob's helped me with that in the last few years to understand a little bit about the strange person that I am, that I'm a, I'm a feeler and I, I look at everything initially through my feelings of what I think, how it's going to impact people, and so it makes it hard to make decisions. I know, you've told me a zillion times, and I know, I can't please everyone. I've never wanted to, to try that. It's impossible, but, and yet there's still a, 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 you don't want to disappoint. 
And so I've had a hard time with those kinds of, of leadership roles. I felt that intensely my last few years in, in Wichita. But God has strengthened and, and blessed. And after nine years in Nebraska and 18 in Wichita plus in Wichita, I, I, I so wanted my next place of service. I, I prayed more specifically than, than normal. I said, God, give me 12 years. When we came here, give me 12 years. Would you give me 12 years? And he gave me 12 years. And is tacking on a little extra. How grateful I am. And so I say thank you. Thank you to God. But through his people, through Faith Church. Thank you. Of course, the biggest thank you of all is to this lady right here. Thought I could do it the second time, but I guess I can't. Linda had her first date December 12, 1970. How she ever accepted the second date from such a socially awkward college kid, I don't know. But she did. I would not have gone to seminary without her encouragement. Would have not made it through seminary without her encouragement. She was willing to go to nowhere in Nebraska that we, turned, we found out was somewhere in Nebraska, a precious, precious place, and another place in Nebraska, and then Wichita, and then here. You've been with me through it all. I thank you. Pastoral change is hard for churches, regardless of how it's done, but my dream for several years when I stepped down is that faith would not go for a year or more with transitional leadership, waiting for a search process to find a new pastor. That almost always leads to major exits of people and uh, just people just wondering, oh, what's the future going to be? And uh, it's a difficult process. It's the American way. It's not the biblical way, but it's the American way, the way the American church has done it. We don't know any other way. But, but I dreamed, I'd seen a few examples of, of another way, of, of, of a potential for a seamless change of leadership, hopefully even from within, if God would choose. And so I longed for this. I'd actually kind of secondarily been a part of it in, in another place, uh, uh, not the pastor that followed me, but the one after that, that I, I got to participate in the installation in Wichita. And it, and it wasn't long, I had this dream that was just there, but it wasn't long after Joey Wiesman joined our team in 2010 that I saw developing in this younger man the gifts that are particularly suited for the kind of leadership needed in the church in this time in history. Excellent in handling scripture and relating it to culture. And I wondered, I mean, just, just, just internal, I just wondered if he might be the man someday to take my place. It wasn't for me to choose my successor. I didn't choose my successor. In fact, I didn't even voice it to other leadership until some of them began to voice it to me. But after some consideration, it appeared prior to last spring, it appeared that eh, this isn't going to happen. This, won't, this, this, this is not going to be. During the search for Pastor Bob's replacement, I, I dreamed that perhaps someone would join our team who had the gifts to move into my role after a couple of years. I mean, I knew I wasn't going to be in this role for too many more years, and so I just wondered about that. But the search team didn't pursue that. They weren't looking for my successor. They were looking to fill this particular position, and the associate role. And then on October 18, 2015, that was our oldest daughter's 40th birthday. It was that day that we called Jeff Schultz to this role. Veteran, pastor, experienced, seasoned, but of course much younger than me. But knowing that my stepping down was uh, perhaps two or less years away, kind of an unsettling kind of role to move into, not seeing the path forward that would eventually come about, and yet stepping into that opportunity. In the week after Jeff accepted the call to join our team, I had one of the most traumatic weeks of my life. My son was in personal crisis. I went down to see him. I got back, and the next morning, I got the call that my brother Wes 
had died less than a month after diagnosis with pancreatic cancer. Next to Linda, he was my top confidant and counselor. Next to Linda and my children, the closest person to me in the world. All major decisions, including the one to come to faith, preliminary discussions about retirement were discussed backwards and forwards with my dear brother Wes. His death had more impact on me than the loss of my parents. And over the next few months, I began to sense that it was time for me to look at a transition from my position as lead pastor to communicate that to the elder executive board. And, and it was simultaneous with some of my own thinking that Pastor Jeff joined our team a year ago. And so last spring, late winter and spring, we, we talked about pastoral transition and then began a very intentional process within the elder executive board of, of considering who we do have on staff and the complimentary gifts that they bring to the table. And over several months, a plan was prayerfully and carefully formed, visited and revisited, analyzed and reanalyzed, sharpened and shaped, and brought to the church in late spring last year. Thoroughly discussed in numerous opportunities with the congregation, approved in early June by a strong, strong majority to move forward with Pastors Jeff and Joey sharing the leadership role, including sharing the preaching role. And as Jeff and Joey become co-lead pastors at the start of 2017, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to have served with them, but the opportunity to continue to serve with them under their leadership, continuing in doing what I love to do. I'll miss the preaching, yes, I suppose, but not the weekly pressure of it on top of everything else. Happy to fill in when needed. I hope to do some writing and teaching, spend some time with you, and realize, Natalie, you were prophetic. The shepherd is here. The shepherd is here. I get to do a new role called pastor of shepherding. That is redundant. It's saying shepherd of shepherding, uh, but that's okay. I, I wrestled with it a bit, but, but I get to be involved. I mean, Preaching is shepherding. Leading the church is shepherding. But mine is going to be more focused a little more on the, on the personal, uh, smaller level with, with, with people, not with groups, not the whole church. Uh, so, so don't expect to see me in the pulpit for the next few months. I'll, I'll have opportunities to preach, uh, I'm told, as the, the year goes by. In fact, I, I know an opportunity I have next October that I'm really excited about, uh, a theme that's been suggested. We'll see if that develops. But I've got other things to do. I've got a job to learn. It's set to be half-time, and I've taken another job that's half-time at least, homeschooling my 15-year-old grandson who arrives back in Indy later today. But I have to, it's time to, to, to pass the leadership to others, and I have to say that what's happening today is truly a dream come true, a desire that I've had for the church for several years to avoid the loss of momentum that comes so often with a pastoral transition of a year, I'd rather see my successors come immediately behind me. Well, let's go to the next verse in our text today, Philippians 1, verse 6. And here's my encouragement. I'm sure of this, that you began a good work in you. will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. That's true for every individual believer. It's true for Joey. It's true for Jeff. It's true for me. It's true for the church. As God is doing his perfecting, growing, maturing work in his church. So in my last few minutes, I just want to remind Pastor Jeff and Joey, uh, Jeff, you need, to, you need to come on up. Bring, bring, bring Amelia with you. And uh, you can sit here by... Joey and Jenna, I want to, want to remind you guys of things you already know. I'm not going to tell you anything you don't know already, uh, but to remind you publicly that the head of the church is not me, it's not you, it's Jesus who said, I'll build my church. 
and that all of us must place our trust and confidence in God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and know that he who began a good work in this church long time ago has continued in the time I've been blessed to be here and will continue to do his work during your leadership here at Faith. Jesus is the head of the church, but he's entrusted local church leadership to elders and pastors. And I commit myself today to support that leadership that is now over me as I serve under Pastors Jeff and Joey as part of the team, but serving under them doing my part for the glory of God and the good of his church. And I ask you to do the same. The elders asked me to give my brothers a charge or a challenge today, and I I really struggled. I bounced from one idea to another. Um, uh, Lord, what do you want me to say to these guys? My brothers who've served with me, in some sense under me, but now my leaders over me, what shall I say to them as they receive the mantle of leadership? And I was drawn to a number of places, and it got a little hodgepodge, but we're going to start with Joshua 1, as Joshua faced the massive challenge of leading the people of Israel in to conquer the land. Moses said to him, and after Moses died, God said to him again repeatedly in chapter 1 of Joshua, be strong and courageous, don't be frightened, don't be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, if you look realistically at the task, Joey and Jeff, you will be dismayed. You will be frightened. And yet God says, don't be. Don't be afraid. Be strong and courageous. You think, well, massive task of leading Israel to conquer the land. That's that's big. This isn't that big, is it? No, it's bigger. It's bigger, it's different and bigger than Joshua's. Not to conquer the land by force to take the gospel to the world, but... Uh, I mean, not to conquer the land by force, but to take the gospel to the world and and trust God to open hearts and receive Christ. Uh, I love our purpose statement because I believe it summarizes the whole Bible so well. Our purpose is to declare the glory of God uppermost. We want to be a God-centered people through the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. I've loved repeating that over and over again over the years. Our mission, which we clarified and hammered out more recently, Uh, but as old as the Bible, equipping followers of Jesus Christ to reflect him to the world, be Ephesians 4 leaders, equipping the church to do the work of ministry, not falling into the trap that I've fallen into times, doing the work of ministry that should have been the people's work. You model it, you teach them, you entrust them. I'm not the person... And this is certainly part of my struggle for 40 years, and and, and, and very evident is I've thought this through in more recent years. I'm not the person to guide us strategically and tactically into touching our culture with the gospel. I'm not as equipped. My gifts are a little different. I'm not as equipped as, as Jeff and Joey are to lead us in our directional vision, to help us as a church be informed and winsome ambassadors of Christ to our secular world. That's a big task, guys. You know it. And so like Joshua, be strong and courageous, leading the way as a God-centered people. Like Joshua, keep us centered in the book. God said to Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it. Day and night, you may be careful to do all that's written in it. This is six times larger than the book Joshua was told to, to focus on. His was not complete yet. You now have access to this pulpit. You've already had some access, but you're going to have more access. It's a sobering task. The Bible says, let not many of you become teachers, because as teachers, we experience a more strict judgment. That's, that's scary. Enough to make you quit. Who am I to stand before God's people? You have to realize who you are as a servant of God. And that means your own lives must be immersed and ever deeper in God's word. Well, I can't limit myself to the challenge of Joshua. I want to close with just two New Testament texts. I'll just read them. Paul's commission to Timothy. I charge you, Joey and Jeff, in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, proclaim the word, 
Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. You know, those churches exist everywhere. How do you make a crowd? That's the main goal. How do you make a crowd? How do you become popular? It's not what it's about. You know that. They turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, don't be like that. Always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Suffering will be part of it. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And then just to close with 1 Peter 5, I exhort you elders, the elders among you. That applies to all elders, all of you elders. I'm commissioning you today too, along with these two men. And a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that's coming to that's going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that's among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, for not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It's a sobering task. Follow these men, pray for these men, and trust God for this church and for the leadership of these men, that he who began a good work in you will take it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Joey, Jeff, Jenna, Amelia, come on up. Join us up here. Denny Dawes, our elder chairman, elder exec board members, and all elders. If all elders would join us as well, Denny is going to lead us in a process of commissioning and prayer. It's a humbling experience to serve on the elder board at the church, and uh, it's even more humbling to uh, be chairman of the elder executive board. Uh, My name's Denny Dawes. I serve in that capacity. And it's a pleasure to, for all of us to see the elders and our pastors and their wives up here with us. Um, you know, Pastor, you come on up too. You're a pastor in this church. Uh, you have your own church, but it's okay. <laughs> Transition can be a difficult time in the life of the church uh, when a beloved and effective leader leaves or retires, the congregation can lose a sense of community, uh, purpose, and momentum. Recognizing these challenges and also the unique gifts among our pastoral team, Pastor Tom, the elder executive board, as you've heard, prayed and labored for many months to come up with a plan for a healthy transition. Those labors came to fruition last spring as we presented to you, the congregation, what we believe to to be God's plan to provide godly leadership for Faith Church. Pastor Tom is retiring, yes, but he's moving into a new part-time role, and we'll make sure it's a part-time role. We don't want you here all the time. Uh, and he will be focusing, as he said, on pastoral care. Pastoral care to all of us, but pastoral care to Pastor Jeff and Pastor Joey and uh, others as well. Pastor Jeff and Pastor Joey will be co-lead pastors, sharing the responsibilities and vision, preaching, teaching, leadership with 
Pastor Jeff fulfilling the role of senior pastor as outlined in our bylaws. You voted in overwhelming support of this proposal and today, it was actually January 1st, but today we put this plan into effect. So we want to publicly affirm, uh, commission and pray for our pastoral team. Uh, where is that mic? Because I want to turn around and look at the three, six of you, and uh, when I say this. Pastor Tom, Pastor Jeff, Pastor Joey, and Linda, Amelia, and Jenna. You are all stepping into new roles, responsibilities, and relationships in ministry. I charge you with Paul's words to the leaders of the churches in Ephesus. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And then to all of us, to the congregation, as these men commit to lead, serve, teach, and encourage and equip you, us, I charge you with these words from the book of Hebrews. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. With those words, these charges in mind, I've asked uh, the elder executive board to join me as we lay hands on these new pastors, not new pastors with us, but new enrolls as we pray together. Please lay hands on Father God, uh, we just pause and thank you for your love for your church, the church universal around the world, the church that you died for. Father, we especially thank you for Faith Church and the way that you have used uh, Faith Church through the years, over 50 years now, to spread your gospel throughout the world. Father, we are humbled by the fact that you love us so much, and we are humbled by the work that you have done through Faith Church, and we are humbled by those who have led us. We submit ourselves to you humbly in that regard. Father, in your word, Jeremiah 23, verse 4, it says that you are the one who raises up shepherds for your people. You are the one who puts pastor teachers in place in Ephesians 4.12 for equipping the saints to attain the unity of faith. Father, you have been kind to us. We have seen your work these past 12 years in the gifting of Pastor Tom as shepherd of this flock here in Indianapolis, for bringing us Pastor Joey over the last six years for his unique abilities, his love for the Word of God, his enthusiasm with people. And Father, also for the discovery and the complimentary addition of a seasoned Pastor Jeff and the seamlessness that that has uh, provided for us here at Faith Church. We thank you, Father. We believe that these are your men for our times. And we thank you, Father, for the shepherd's heart of Pastor Tom, for his Christ-like character and nature that reflects your heart, for the wisdom of his sage leadership, for his advice, for his counsel, for his heart to equip and to encourage and to build up our faith, to preach the truth, to encourage us to walk as informed and winsome ambassadors, keeping the gospel relevant and walking with great integrity. We thank you, Father, for these things. Dear Lord, thank you for Jenna and Amelia, the strong women that you have blessed Joey and Jeff with as their wives and ministry partners. And Lord, help us as a church to understand the challenges and um, 
troubles that come along with being a pastor's wife. And Lord, as we're blessed by them in our presence as part of our body with all the talents and abilities they bring, Lord, help us to encourage and protect and love them well in their unique position. And thank you as well for Pastor Jeff and Pastor Joey and their unique abilities and skills they, they bring. Thank you for Pastor Joey's mind and his insatiable thirst for understanding and knowledge and his ability to think deeply and articulate your word clearly. Thank you for Jeff's heart for your bride, the church. And thank you for his unique ability to shepherd so tenderly and yet challenge us to love and act in ways that honor you and make much of your name. Thank you for giving them both wisdom and humility to lead this local body together for your glory and for the good of others. Lord, thank you for the service of our pastors. Uh, Pastor Tom and his 13 years of service, what a blessing he has been to us. And Lord, I pray for Pastor Joey and Pastor Jeff as they take on these new leadership roles. Leadership can be hard. It can be lonely. There's disappointment. There's challenging decisions. Lord, I pray for strength for these men. Lord, I pray for Joe and Joey and Jeff's spiritual growth. May they not neglect that. May they grow richly in the years ahead, personally, spiritually. And Lord, I pray that you will give them wisdom as they bring the word to us through their preaching and teaching and equipping us. And Lord, I also pray that they will have a very rich family life. Um, we know how important family is to you and may they continue to have very strong relationship with their wife, with their children, and keep a balance of that with their ministry. And Father, we pray as a congregation of your people and a sense of wonder this morning. We recognize that you have gifted us in an amazing way with shepherds that have a heart after you and shepherds that have a heart of love and concern for us. We thank you for the myriad ways in which you have worked in their lives and our lives to bring us to this moment. And we as a congregation of your people, thank you for that. We celebrate your goodness and your love to us, and we anticipate your work through us. We pray that you would work in us, that we would be a unified flock, characterized by love and passion for your work and your service, and the growth of the image of our glorious Lord Jesus Christ among us, that we might truly be ambassadors to the world that you've put us in. We thank you for your graciousness in bringing us to this point and humbly we look to you and pray that by your spirit you would equip us to be what you've called us to be. In our Lord Jesus Christ we pray this. Amen. <laughs>